You're listening to the Angry Dad Gamer Podcast, both sides of the table, featuring players and makers of tabletop games. Here's your host, Victor Agreta. This episode's guest is Scott McNulty. He's a senior IT director at the Wharton School, but I met Scott when he was lead blogger at the unofficial Apple weblog, where his ability to distill technical information into a creative, entertaining, and thoughtful manner endeared him to our audience. Scott is also a very avid gamer, specifically Dungeons and Dragons, as you'll hear in this episode. Luckily, his wife, Marissa McClellan, is very accommodating of this, and Scott's long-standing date with a dungeon proved to be a boon to his relationship. You can hear Scott on the Random Trek podcast, among others. You can find his musings on blankbaby.com. This episode is brought to you by Kitten Stuff Done, the revolutionary new way to stay playfully productive. More info at kittenstuffdone.com. Top games, board games, card games, do you remember playing when you were growing up? Oh, when I was growing up. Uh, well, we played, uh, I feel like I played a lot of Sorry. I don't know why, but uh, a lot of Sorry uh, was had, which is always a fun game because uh, when you go up like the thermometer and then you end up on the wrong one, you slide back down and everyone yells Sorry at you. So uh, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, Monopoly, I think, is probably one that everyone mentions uh, that I've, I've played uh, a lot. And then when I was getting l- into kind of maybe late grammar school, early high school, uh, my friends discovered Axis and Allies. So I think I played one game of Axis and Allies, which lasted for approximately three years because that game is very uh, big. It's It takes a long time to play. It's funny you mentioned those two because my son just played Sorry the other night with his sister. Like I had to go to bed early and, and they stayed up and they played Sorry. And then he played Axis and Allies for the first time uh, staying at a friend's house this previous week. So... You know, these things, these are classics. These are now, well, Sorry, of course, has been a classic for a long time. But Axis and Allies uh, came out when we were in high school. And so that's been around now. I guess we're considered classics. So there you go. Oh, we are classics. And the <laughs> other one that, much like uh, Axis and Allies, although less laborious to set up, I feel like, uh, was Risk that I played. I played Risk a lot. Uh, so that can take a long time, but it doesn't have as many pieces. That's true, yeah. So second of all, have you always played you know was this a continuous thing that you've played since you were a kid and did you play in college or was there something new to renew your interest in the past few years because there's kind of a a renaissance i feel like in not just rpgs but board games and card games in general so i i'm not really big into board games in particular or tabletop games i guess as they call them now uh because they're fancy i mean i like playing them but i and i know a lot of people who are super into them which is why i say i'm not that into them because i know people who have you know a hundred board games and get excited about like the latest german board game that comes out and uh so i am not at that level i know people who are at that level so i play some of these games and i find them enjoyable uh but i don't get as deep down that rabbit hole as some folks do unless with there's one caveat if there is a star trek themed game of some sort i will buy that because i'm a sucker for star trek so 
I have a bunch of very complicated Star Trek games that I've never played, uh, but have lots of pieces that make me very happy because nobody nobody wants to play my Star Trek games with me. Um, uh, I will say, so when I was in uh, grammar school, so I think maybe sixth or seventh grade, maybe even fifth grade, it was when I first played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and I played that fairly consistently and with the same group of people, as a matter of fact, until I left for college. And then there were a couple of years when I was in college that I didn't really play much at all. Um, actually, I think the entire time I was in college, I didn't really play D&D all that much. Uh, I did LARP once, though, while in college, uh, which is live-action role-playing, for those that uh, are not familiar with that term. Uh, we, a Vampire the Masquerade LARPing game. Uh, oh, yeah. It was strange. Uh, but people enjoyed it. I guess everyone was pretending to be a vampire. I didn't really understand it, but I showed up and played and left. And then when I left college, uh, I moved... Uh, after a couple of years from New York to Philadelphia and I was like I don't know nobody I don't know anyone in Philadelphia how am I going to meet people and I thought aha I bet I could play D&D with some people uh, and so I found I, I scoured the internet for a meetup and this was maybe 10 13 13 14 years ago uh, so this was before the D&D renaissance that has happened uh, now I feel like it's much easier to find people to play D&D with and I found a group of people and I joined their game uh, and I'm actually playing with still uh, at least two people from that same group. So for the last 14 years or so, we've been playing D&D together. Oh, that well, that is impressive, especially as you get older. A lot of us have found that, you know, the schedules get tighter and it, it can become just a lot more difficult to sort of meet up. So that continuity is impressive. Yes, <laughs> we, we play every Friday night. And so when I got before I met my uh, wife, uh, who... Well, before I met her, we were we didn't know each other. And once we met, we were friends for a while. Uh, once we started going out, I was like, you know, I have been for like four years every Friday night playing D&D. So I'm going to continue doing that. So it was just kind of like a, it wasn't a surprise to her that Friday night was already taken for me, which I know is difficult for some people in, you know, you want to spend time with your spouse or your partner or your whatever. Not that I don't want to, but I have this standing Friday night thing. Uh, which works out well, actually, because then she can do whatever she wants with her Friday night. So it, 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 it works for us, but it can get very tricky. Like I used to, before I was in a relationship and, you know, before I was footloose and fancy free, I do things where I, uh, I had another group of people that I played different role playing games with in Philadelphia. And we do things like, you know, meet on a Saturday morning and play until Sunday night and all kinds of, I don't do that anymore, but well, and that's what I was I was curious about was you mentioned uh, the vampire and I, I'm familiar with that game as well from back in the day. What other are there other role playing games that you've sort of dallied with? Yes, I've I've dallied with a whole bunch, but I always seem to come back to Dungeons and Dragons mostly because everybody is familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. People are uh, the group that I've been playing with for 14 years. There are a couple of people in it who only want to play Dungeons and Dragons, so sometimes we dabble in a different one but then we always come back to D. &D. Uh, i have played i enjoy a game called riffs which is a palladium game based on the palladium system it's crazy pants uh, uh they also have uh, a superheroes and supervillains game that i enjoy uh, i've played champions i've played speaking of superheroes marvel superheroes uh earth dawn shadow run i've played a whole bunch of games wow um is there anything that you played once and were like you know what i'm never gonna play this again <laughs> yes, there was uh, when I was this is maybe uh, 23 years ago, uh, there was a, a Middle Earth game that came out uh, based on Lord of the Rings. 
very excited. I've I've never been a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but my friends at the time were D&D nerds, and so most of them were big Lord of the Rings fans. So we played uh, a game of, and I don't even, I'm sure there have been multiple versions of Lord of the Rings RPGs since then, and possibly even before, but we played some version of it. That was just awful. And so we played maybe half a game, and it was just not good, and so we stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, of course, D&D has undergone... A number of iterations since that. this is the you know, what is isn't this like the fifth edition isn't this like the big whoopity-doo they kind of return <laughs> back to the, the i don't know i mean i i follow it a little bit we actually had one of the um and of course a number of writers contributed to the current edition of D D. but mm-hmm. we, we had robert schwab on the show a couple episodes back and he was one of the team that helped create the current iteration of D D. um what do you think about the, is the latest version is this something that like really pulls at the heartstrings it reminds you of your early days of D&D or is it a new thing but just a little improved oh this is a, this is a controversial question in mm-hmm. the, the D&D community right because there is there have been as you said a number of different versions uh, the one that probably is is like exalted in some players minds is 3.5 uh, which is uh, a version that is let's say rules heavy uh and there's lots of stuff for it there are lots of source books lots of campaigns so there's a lot of existing things and in fact uh the 3.5 set of rules uh uh uh, wizards of the coast at the time uh decided to do this open role-playing game license system so they basically said you could make role-playing games based on our rules and, and use these similar things but you can't use like, you know, Mordecai's, like the name Mordecai or the name Tensor, these kinds of things, right? Uh, and so that spawned something called Pathfinder. Pathfinder is this kind of rival RPG that's out there that's super popular uh, that is very similar to uh, D&D version 3.5 that gained a whole lot of popularity when the fourth edition of D&D came out. The fourth edition of D&D kind of radically changed the way D&D was played. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Uh, it involved cards. So, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Mattel, uh, also owns Magic the Gathering. So they thought, why don't we take some of these card mechanics from Magic the Gathering, fuse it with D&D, uh, which did streamline a bunch of stuff, uh, but it, it it kind of felt like a completely different game. Uh, so it angered some, some of the diehards. And they left for Pathfinder. Um, and I think that the folks at Wizards of the Coast thought, oh, no, we have a crisis here where the people who are hardcore D&D fans aren't particularly happy with 4th edition. Uh, but it did open up the markets to a lot of new players because it was much easier. There wasn't like you didn't need to read 20 rule books to understand how to you know, grapple a monster, um, which was helpful. But I think they dumbed it down a little too much. Uh, and the 5th edition, I think, that has come out and has been super popular addresses all of the problems in fourth edition uh, gets rid of the card mechanics, uh, but keeps the the rules streamlined, uh, but gives a bunch of optional rules that can be fiddly so that for the people who really like a lot of rules and, and, you know, looking up random tables and that kind of things, you can do that. Uh, You can still make it, if you want to make it miniature based and have a a mat with a grid on it and everybody needs to know where they're going and and placement is uh, important to your game. Fifth edition supports that. If you want to do what they call theater of the mind, where you don't even bother with minis and you just kind of describe what you're doing in a battle, D&D fifth edition will support all of that. Uh, so they really, I think, took the right call and said, well, let's just make it, let's open it up, make it everybody kind of happy with it, streamlining it across the board, get rid of these cards. Uh, and this is my long way of saying that I vastly prefer 
fifth edition than I to fourth edition uh, or 3.5. 3.5 was just too too many rules. Well, and it's interesting, too, that they sort of made it modular in that way. So if you really like all the extra stuff, you can do that. If you really mm-hmm. want to make it more of a ta- almost a tabletop game, you can do that. Um, or if you want to do sort of what I think of as classic, which is, you know, I was, I think, in middle school when I started getting into D&D. Um, and we had nothing. I mean, we were, we were middle schoolers. So, you know, you had a pen and paper if you were lucky. And that's it. Go at it, guys. Um, <laughs> had to use our imagination for sure. And that's all you need to know. Yeah. yeah. And and they did the smart thing where, uh, well, it kind of annoyed me. But fourth edition, they tried to do some digital tools so you could mm. do characters online uh, and, and things like that. The tools they developed in-house, I think, and they weren't very good. Um, but I paid for them because they were the only thing that would work. Uh, they've come out with a whole new digital suite of tools called D&D Beyond. Uh, where they hired a third party to create it, and that was much smarter. Uh, and it is way, way better than the old versions were, uh, and, and very clever. Uh, and another way for Wizards of the Coast to get even more money from people, because you have to buy, you could buy physical books, and then you, the physical books don't include the digital versions, so you have to buy those, and, well, you don't have to, but you can. It's all about the in-app purchases, really. Um, it's true. Yeah. So, and that's a nice segue into what is your process into putting together a D&D campaign? Oh, that's a good question. So I DM and play. Uh, when I am a DM, it is much harder because when you're a character, a player, all you have to do is make your character and you're good to go. Uh, as a DM, you have to do a whole lot more work. And so depending on if I'm doing in-person or online, it's slightly different. Uh, but it's generally the same. I prefer to start with a published adventure and then kind of customize it. There are lots of people who like to make their own adventures, but I just don't have the time to do that. Uh, So I generally buy whatever kind of Wizards of the Coast adventure is out and then kind of tweak it a little bit. And then I use a a tool called uh, Game Master, which is an iOS app that lets you track, uh, you can create encounters and track monster t- monster statistics and initiative and all that good stuff. So it has made my life so much easier. It's called Game Master 5, um, and it lets you track who's doing what. You have all your monster statistics uh, and all kinds of stuff like that. I also have a D&D Beyond account, and so I, I buy all of the D&D Beyond content because, of course, I do. Uh, so I use that, and that has m- been such a big help because what... As a DM, there's a lot of rules that you need to remember, and there's a lot of flipping around in books to find out, you know, oh, you know, a player asks, well, can I, you know, have my horse uh, ride across that rope or something? Uh, And you think, well, that's ridiculous. And then they say, well, I think on the player's handbook it says you can. So you have to look it up, and there's a lot of flipping. And um, the D&D Beyond has all of the texts, and it's all searchable, so you can type in, you know, horse, and you find out all the rules about horses. Uh, So even when I'm in person, I take my iPad with me, I run Game Master 5, and I have a window open with D&D Beyond so I can do all my rule searching right there. Uh, And it has made it much easier to run a game. Man, what an age we live in. And speaking of what an age we live in, we we live in an age where people can chat with their words and their faces in real time or pretty close to real time. Um, So I'm I'm fascinated by this because I actually just saw, I don't know, this was maybe a few weeks ago, um, you do an online campaign with some luminaries of the tech media press, I guess that, that would be safe to say. Um, so how does that work? I mean, it, have you found that to be a fairly effective way of playing the game? Because, you know, you play in 
the real world as well. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you're playing this online. I mean, is, is like lag an issue? Is it, you know, is there some sort of something that's missing or is it, is it all fairly seamless? I don't know if it's seamless, but it's it's pretty amazing that it works at all. Uh, so I am uh, sometimes a player and most of the time a DM for a podcast called Total Party Kill, which is part of the Incomparable Network. Um, and, and we use a variety of tools to do that. So uh, we used to use Google Hangouts um, and plus this tool called Roll20, which is at roll20.net, which is basically uh, it allows you to see the same map amongst your your player characters and give everybody a token that they can move around and you have the dm has tokens for monsters and uh they have of course partnered with wizards of the coast so you can buy the the adventures and things through dnd beyond uh through roll20.net uh which is different than dnd beyond so you can theoretically pay for the same adventure three times if you want uh which which i do uh so they make lots of money it's great uh and and so then that gives you customized maps and custom tokens and all kinds of things which make it super simple to set up your your game um and then the only downside to it is so used to be that in google hangouts you could have these things called apps that you could load within a google hangout so everybody was in the same google hangout everyone would have the roll 20 app so in the google hangout window we would all see the map and it would be great and we could play our games for whatever reason, Google decided to discontinue app support, so we had to figure out a new way of doing it because uh, it's important. Like you said, uh, usually we could do like Skype or something, but we need the video so that we could see each other. That's a very important part of the role-playing game, even if you're not you know, LARPing, which is when you're actually acting out things and pretending you are your character like and acting fully. Uh, it's important to see people uh, and make eye contact and that kind of thing in this role-playing. So everybody can see each other is important so we couldn't just do like a skype thing as we're doing right now uh so we roll 20 has a built-in video audio chat that's based on i think what WebRT or something like that it's not very good we tried it for a while there was serious lag it was awful so now we're using a new tool uh in fact i just dm'd for four hours on our uh online game uh not 40 minutes ago uh and we're using zoom plus roll 20 in a different tab. Uh, so it, it, there are a lot of tools uh, that are involved, but it works pretty well. That's a, I mean, <laughs> it, it truly blows my mind in a way, but at the same time, it's sort of like, well, this is the natural culmination of everything that's been built. <laughs> yes. And there are a lot of people, I should say, uh, there are a whole bunch of, so for some reason, I don't understand it. D and D is experiencing kind of an explosion of popularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of it, I think is this, uh, I think they call them live play uh, podcasts. Yeah. Um, my podcast is not a live play podcast, I don't think, because we don't – well, we do stream it live, so I guess we are. Uh, but a lot of people, a bulk of these things are happening on Twitch, which is uh, this kind of gamer um, uh, thing that I know you have a channel on Twitch. Um, I don't really understand Twitch, but a lot of people are using it for that. Uh, we have not looked into it, but uh, a whole bunch of people are doing that. There are, there are a wealth of live play podcasts and and shows about D now it's it's amazing yeah it, it is sort of interesting because um i i do have angry dad gamer has its uh, twitch channel we haven't done much because again like i told you my schedule it's not really amenable mm-hmm. to that kind of thing um <laughs> and and with most of my free time right now i'm either writing or working on this kitten stuff done project that launches in september uh and actually when this podcast goes live it will be about a week before the uh the, the launch so hey Kickstarter folks getting stuff done anyway um, 
But no, I, I just the other day I was doing dishes and this is my screen time. So I've got the iPad up in, in front of me and I was watching someone live stream No Man's Sky, which is sort of a sandboxy type space adventure type game. And they recently did a new update and it had a whole bunch of new rules and whatnot. And so I actually learned a ton of stuff from just watching this live stream for like 30 minutes. And I can only imagine that someone who's interested in D&D, they could watch one of these live plays and really get a lot about like what it what it's really like, what the game is like, what some of the rules are like and whatnot. So I think it's mm-hmm. an educational thing, not just entertainment. It's, as David Letterman would say, infotainment. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it's very useful that way. And some of those uh, D&D live streams are, are fairly compelling because they've got some cool people like, you know, running them. Yeah, I mean, there are a whole bunch of that are associated in some way with uh, Wizards of the Coast. And so they have high production oh, yeah. value. And then there are the the McElroys doing their own thing. So everybody's crazy about their their podcast, which started kind of as a pure D&D thing. I think it's it's morphed into beyond D&D, but um not to be confused with D&D Beyond. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting storytelling. I mean, that's the big thing, right? Uh, a lot of people who aren't familiar with D&D might think it's weird that you you sit around a table or sit at your computer and pretend to be an elf or something like that. But what you're really doing is uh, collaborative storytelling, something that mm-hmm. humans have done forever. Uh, we're just doing it. It gives you a framework and a bunch of rules and gives you a wide open world to do whatever it is you wanted to and create the story together. And so that's, that's at the end of the day, that's what everyone's doing. And I think that's why it's kind of tapped into some kind of latent desire for people to have a shared experience that isn't just like, uh, individualized and kind of, uh, sanitized. Right. So it's not like, you know, Angry Birds or something. I think that there's anything wrong with Angry Birds, but uh, you could play that by yourself, and it's just kind of sad. But the the playing with a group of people, and then you have these inside jokes, and you've got running gags, and you have this kind of shared experience. So uh, it becomes a whole lot more about the people you're playing with than the game itself. Absolutely, well said. Well, speaking of people, and uh, where can people find you these days on on the internets? Oh, I'm all over the internet. It's just Google blank baby and you will find me. There you go. Yeah, it's like the, the magic keyword that, uh, the that's AOL right. keyword that takes you right to your, <laughs> your corner. Yeah, that's what log into CompuServe and I'll give you my CompuServe <laughs> number 138745. <laughs> oh, man. It's scary how well you know that. Um, well, Scott McNulty, thanks a lot for being on the Angry Dad Gamer podcast. And uh, maybe we'll have you back here in a few months um, when. I'm able to actually watch one of your shows and you guys playing. I I look forward to it. I look forward to it as well. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Scott McNulty. You can learn more about him at blankbaby.com. Our intro voice is Caitlin Corbett. Our theme music was created by Drew Takuda. You can find him at digitaldrew.com. That's D-R-O-O. And be sure to check out kittenstuffdone.com, the revolutionary new way to stay playfully productive. No batteries required. I'm your host, Victor Agreta Jr., and this has been Both Sides of the Table.